Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G. We are here with Randall Knackman of Novatus. I am super excited to talk tech with him. We'll try not to get too far into the geeky world, although my knowledge will definitely be the limiting factor there, by no means Randall's. And so we're going to learn everything about that he's got going on behind the scenes, what he's been up to, and just his journey of entrepreneurship thus far. But before we get started, give a big shout out to the wonderful people that make this thing possible, Government Taco and Falaya Real Estate. Be sure to stick tuned to the end of the show to hear more about them. And without further ado, Randall, welcome to the show. Man, I'm I'm excited to be on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. Episode 93. It's a big deal. We're getting close to 100, man. I'm excited. What are we going to do for the 100th? Oh, we've got we've we've got we've got something in the works. I I hope I'm at the party. You you will be. We've got a we've got a special group you'll get invited to after this as the alum <laughs> of the Patty G show. It's come a long way. I can attest. Well, good. I'm, I'm we're here to talk about you though. What what are you, man? What do you do? Who is Randall? <laughs> God. <laughs> it's an open-ended question. Yeah, who is Randall? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I am a, I guess I'm, I'm a bit of an entrepreneur. I, I, at least I try to be. I've got, um, I've got a software development company called Novatus. And we build apps for, um, for businesses, try to help them automate some of their processes. We work with startups, uh, individuals who have an app idea. And they want to bring it to life. They've got ideas of, of uh, you know, ideas for an app that they think they can take to market. And we try to help them design it and uh, put put uh, put the features together, develop it and help them take it to market. So uh, that's a big part of what I'm doing. And then um, I've also got my own applications that I'm working on where um, I'm wearing the shoes of, of one of our customers where. Um, you know, I've had to uh, design my own application and put together a team of developers to to bring it to life. And now I'm working on bringing it to market, which is a, a whole nother thing. It's uh, it's a, a, a very interesting process. If you've never done it, um, you, you don't really know what to expect until no. you're until you're, you're you're grinding away and you, you hope to learn important things as you go and not make too many mistakes. But in the bottom line is every entrepreneur you know, with a startup, you're going to, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have great successes and, and you just have to, you have to sustain yeah, to you're, be in it for the long haul. So it's fun working with, uh, you know, with Novatus working with entrepreneurs on a daily basis and just seeing how they operate. I, I get to learn, uh, so many valuable lessons just being around these guys. I, I get to see things that I'm not so good at and things that I, <laughs> I, I try to get better at. And, you know, it helps being around it. So it's, uh, it's exciting. Yeah. It's fun. hundred percent. Like app development is one of the, <clears throat> one of the most exciting fields in entrepreneurship. I feel for some because like, Oh, we're developing an app, you know, you can get on your phone. It's exciting. But all of the back work, is the boring part of the app, at least for some. I know for like somebody using the app, I'm like, I don't need to know how it's working. I just need to know that it works properly. But it's like that's where the bread and butter is of making sure these apps go to market successfully is that the back end is super successful and super efficient. So how did you kind of get involved with developing applications? It started, uh, <laughs> I, I 
after graduating from college, I moved to New Orleans and, um, you know, ultimately opened up a mortgage brokerage and uh, realized that there was a lot of gaps in our workflows, you know, things that needed to be automated, especially, you know, we had a, a business model that forced us to be really efficient with, with a small uh, a small staff on the back end. So I started working with programmers in New Orleans and, uh, you know, the first developer that I, I worked with, he had a full-time job uh, working at Wells Fargo. Uh, he was in the mortgage space that so helped me. He had a, a real good knowledge of of the technologies that we were looking to develop. And um, he couldn't handle the workload. So he referred me to uh, to another, not a developer, but somebody who owned a, a company similar to Novatus, where he would go and, and uh, uh, introduce me to developers to build a team. So that's uh, not that different from what we do. We put together uh, dev teams to help uh, design and develop these applications. He did the same thing for me, and he introduced me to outsourcing. Uh, yeah, the developer I was working with was local, and I could go and visit with him in his office. Uh, the individual that he introduced me to, uh, he was in Texas, but his team was in India. Oh, really? And I had never worked with, uh, I didn't know anybody in India. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, a whole, like several countries away. That's, that a, that's was, a big change. That was a huge, uh, it was a, a big learning curve there. Uh, you know, the, the, the difference in, in cost was significant and um, forced me to learn, um, learn the things I needed to, to learn to be successful. It's, it's very challenging when you're working with, not only remote developers, but somebody in a completely different uh, time zone or in a different country altogether. So um, there was language barrier that we had to overcome and um, had to figure out how to communicate and collaborate. There's great tools today which make it much, much easier. You know, back then, um, I think we had Skype as a way of communicating, but I had to I had to buy a phone system that we could we could work back and forth, and it was obviously not in person. So, so you're, it you're was doing all this over Skype with people in India while you're trying to build this team. Well, it was a combination of Skype okay. and and, and um, <clears throat> like a, a, a virtual phone system. So, yeah, it was um, it was interesting. It's <laughs> it's changed a lot <laughs> since 2005, is I think when we started. Oh, wow, so 16 years in the making. Yeah, it was. Uh, was uh, an eye opener for sure, but that's what uh, that's what introduced me to to software development and working with teams, remote teams, which is which is what we see today. It's a, what a common. That's what everybody's doing, right? But back then, it was it was not unheard of, but it was it was uh, certainly something that not a lot of people did. It was all, you know, most development was in an office with a team, so. But it was uh, it was a great experience. I learned a lot, and we built a product that was extremely beneficial to my mortgage brokerage. And I fell in love with software development. I, I, it was it fit me. It was something I could. It was like solving a puzzle. We put yeah. putting pieces together that mirrored a, a workflow <clears throat> that I was trying to to uh, to automate. And and I learned about getting adoption with users which were employees of the, of the mortgage company. But I, um, I really enjoyed what I was doing. And we worked <laughs> on the software. We started at the end of a, of a loan transaction, which was 
uh, calculating commissions and doing disbursements and ultimately uh, worked our way to the front of the loan transaction, which was uh, the origination of a loan application, creating uh, all the documentation, the paperwork. I'm sure if you've done a mortgage loan, you've, you've seen the amount of- a lot of paperwork. A lot of paperwork. So much paper. There's so much paperwork. It's tedious. You got to read through it. Thankfully, DocuSign has helped like speed up some of those processes. Yeah, and it's a, it were a lot of good lessons that I've applied to some of the applications that I'm working on today. Uh, all around documents, paperwork, and, and signatures. You know, at the time in 2008 is when we really started working on uh, the document generation piece within the loan software and, and the signature piece. But that kind of electronic signatures were not even accepted by HUD. So. That was a valuable lesson as you can be too early to market with yeah. solutions, especially in software. But you know, in 2005, we had an application that was being used by the company. It was uh, it had a document management component to it. So we were we were digitizing all of our loan documents when they closed and we were still storing the paperwork in file cabinets. But um, and we grew out of our file room in, in six months. So we had to really? have offsite storage. And then Hurricane Katrina hit, and that's when the light bulb went off. Man. It was <laughs> did y'all lose? All, did y'all lose all of the paperwork? Everything was gone. Really? Yeah, we lost. Uh, not only did we lose all of our paperwork, but our office was flooded. And New Orleans, the just the mortgage market, New Orleans was gone. Like wow. overnight, it was it was gone. You couldn't do any loan transactions in New Orleans. You know, thankfully, we had grown into other states. We were in eleven states at the time. So our loan officers, they were able to relocate to places like Houston and Atlanta and and continue to originate. They were still able to access all of their, their paperwork within the, it was a, a web application, so they just needed an internet connection. And at the time, there were no loan origination softwares that were, were web applications. So uh, it was a, 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 a terrible event that happened and it, and it took a lot of, it, it ended a lot of businesses. You know, there oh my were gosh! Yes. A lot of companies were not a lot, especially mortgage companies, were not able to recover from that. So, um, like I said, that's when the light bulb went off, and I said, "This thing has it saved my company, and it's had such a dramatic impact on our operations." We were we were at the time processing underwriting over 120 loans a month with a what I'd call a very minimal processing underwriting staff. So. We were very, very efficient with with our processing of the loan transactions. So I thought it was going to be easy. I'm going right. to go and focus <laughs> on the loan software. We still had the, you know, I still had the mortgage company, but you're ultimately let them do their thing. Ultimately, I ended up at a partner, and I ended up selling my interest to him and focusing just on the, the uh, software application. Moved into the tech park over. Um, this is in 2008. Okay moved into the tech park and commercialized the software and thought it was going to be easy. I mean, I'm, the mortgage company, that, that's probably <laughs> the one of the- mortgage company picked it up. Surely it's, it's just got to be a walk in the my park. My very first business was the mortgage company. It was successful. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I didn't even realize that it was how hard it was to get to, get to that point. I had no idea, just completely clueless. I thought every business, you write a business plan and you go execute and it's going to work. And it did not work. <laughs> uh, you know, there's one thing to build software and another thing to commercialize software. And it was uh, it was some tough lessons in there. You know, one of the things that there was a need, you know, that's one of the first things you want to 
as an entrepreneur, you need to make sure there's a market for what right, you're trying to sell. And is there, even if there's a market, can you, can you monetize it? You know, will people willing to pay for your solution? So, uh, there was a market for it. People wanted what we had, uh, at the time marketing to mortgage companies was fairly easy. It's all public information. We could, we could send them, uh, mailers, we could call them, we could send emails. So we were able to market the application effectively, which, you know, looking back on that, it's, it's very hard to market the way we did in 2008 and nine. You just, it's hard to, it's hard to get traction that way, I think. But I mean, I think building traction for any new business, let alone a software company is challenging. Yeah. You got to find how to, uh, you got to, that buyer persona and how you're going to reach them is, is everything. So uh, marketing to mortgage companies was not terribly complicated. And we had probably a hundred companies sign up for the software in the first four months. And wow. And I was able to do demos of the software That's and people incredible. would sign up yeah, and they would never come back. It was crazy. Wait, we, so they would just like sign up for, they'd what, sign, what were they they'd, signing up for? They'd license the software. So <clears throat> okay. there was a, it was, it was a, a, a low cost solution. So it wasn't a, it was, I think our entry price was like 50 bucks a month. Okay. So it wasn't a big deal for somebody to sign up and go, go check it out at the time. Um, the problem was I didn't have the, the bandwidth to properly train and onboard uh, these customers. I just, I figured it was a numbers game. You know, the more people I'd get to sign up, there'd be some that bounced and some that would stick and ended up that most bounced. So, <laughs> you, after how long? I mean, were they signed up for a six month contract, a year contract? It was month to month. It was month to month. That's to month. a bold <laughs> revenue and my strategy. Pro- my problem was that I wouldn't <laughs> find out that they were unhappy or not using the software yeah. until until they canceled the, the subscription. Well, so yeah, they, they pay for the first month. They use it for 15, 20 days. And they have all these questions. They're like, I don't know how to work, how this thing works. I'm out. Yeah. And that was, you know, that's a hard lesson to learn. I, you know, I, I certainly needed a better knowledge base, but my biggest problem was people love the, the features, the idea of the software and what it could do. But the, the user experience was terrible. And, um, yeah, it was, it taught me a lot about the importance of a great user experience. And that has propelled me today. That's been an obsession is user experience. And before it was features and we'll just let the developers figure out how things fit together with the kind of a loosely designed interface where we just kind of figured it out and threw things together as right. we, as we, we went along. Now it's, um, you know, think about building a house, right? Mm-hmm. You don't go and start laying the foundation until an architect has designed everything. And that's the same way with software. We've got designers that design everything, every detail of the application. And then we move into the development phase once things have been designed. The design phase is, is absolutely critical. And I found out I'm not a designer. <laughs> it's you know, <laughs> developers are not designers right, and right, designers right. are not developers. Designers are, it's, it's art. It, it really is. It's just, it's a part of your brain that, you know, some people have it, some people don't. I, I, when I see it, I'm like, that's great. 
mm-hmm. and, or or it's not great. But yeah. to come up with it, it's to, to build in your head. It's difficult to visualize that without having a reference point. Yeah, to try to explain to a great designer, you can explain your, you can give them the 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 framework with with what what you're looking to accomplish, and you know they just a good designer will, will figure out how things fit together. Yeah, uh, maybe a few iterations, but once you get things on track, get the train on the on, on the rails, <laughs> it uh, it usually flows pretty well. And the more you can think through what it looks like, whether you actually develop, um, you know, let's say you've got three phases that you want to tackle and phase one is, um, is what you can afford at the time, but mm. you know, you've got these other phases if things work that will come over time. You know, the more we know about what it looks like at the end of the, um, end of the line, the better we can, we can plan not only the interfaces, but the, the back end too. And unfortunately, there are a lot of redos in software development. You'll, we see it all the time. Um, and I'm not. You know, what's it's, what's, it's what's app- a redo? Where you go and you build a you build an application. You're like, man, we should have done it this way. Ah, <laughs> and you kind of back to the drawing so you board. You have to start all the way back over from there? Sometimes, yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes wow. it's either it could be a database and architecture thing where you just you didn't build the foundation right. And it and it limits your ability to to grow. We've got a, we've got several applications we're working on right now where um, it was built as a, a single tenant application, kind of like what I did with the the loan software, where I just built it for my company, and then all of a sudden I wanted to commercialize it. You, if you don't have the infrastructure to to go and and create those accounts for your users in an, in an automated way, then uh, you're not going to be able to grow. So okay. one of our customers. Same deal. They're a construction management company, and yeah. we're building a, a software for them to, to manage their projects. And it was built for his company, and it had no way of, and he had people that wanted to use his software. So he was setting up all these instances for every company that wanted to use his software. You essentially end up with he's got he had five big companies using his software, and he had five separate websites. Really? That he was managing and it's just a logistical nightmare. You can't, you can't manage it that way. You don't have enough, especially as a startup, you don't have the bandwidth, you don't have the development resources and it just leads to, to too many headaches to even, to even get into. And you, even the smallest differences within your, your application can result in, in terrible consequences where <laughs> you, you're introducing bugs into, to, to, to different environments that you, you never intended to do. So, um, so we're creating a, a, a multi-tenant type of architecture for his application. Same thing with, with the loan software that I created. That was, we had to redo that entire application because it wasn't designed to support the, this SaaS type architecture where. Right. So, so you had to like start all over or you just had to redo the foundation of the application itself? Uh, sometimes you're just uh, <laughs> redoing the 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 foundation the the back end but oftentimes you'll come in and, and redo the front end at the same time because front end has to connect to the to the back end so right. and, and you know lots of time technology is 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 um, changing so rapidly right now especially web application technology oh yeah so if you built something two or three years ago you're you're probably already outdated it's pretty amazing how fast things have progressed 
mean, we're truly in the golden age of web technologies. You know, everything's moving to this cloud and, and service-oriented architecture. Uh, when I was building applications, you had a physical server, you mm -hmm. had a physical web server, a physical database server. Um, you're running everything on your own hardware, and that's just that's a whole nother it's a, thing. It's expensive to not only purchase, but it's expensive to maintain. God. You've got to know how to maintain it. Security, I mean, and, and hardware. Secu oh my gosh, security. And now you just have all these massive giant companies. AWS, you offload all that. Yeah, they're doing it all for you between yep. Amazon Web Services, Google. I mean, there's so many cloud hosting companies that that's all they do is they just house your data and they have to protect their they protect their infrastructure <clears throat> right because they're they're a multi-tenant type of yeah. uh, of infrastructure where they've got it's not just you floating around their their cloud it's other companies too so they have to protect they have to protect their assets so they they to me there's no reason to manage your own infrastructure no. and hardware today. I mean if someone's got a bigger if someone's got deeper pockets than you and they've already got the technology in place. They've got the hardware in place. Let them worry about the cybersecurity and the threats and all of that. And you get back to building your business, whether it be a mobile application or just someone storing their offline, their online files in the cloud. Exactly. And you can scale so rapidly. You used to have to have a, a network admin to, to add disk space or memory. Right. And now it's a button click through an interface. You or I can easily do it. Yeah. Uh, with some of the technologies, it scales automatically. We built a few applications on um, technology called Lambda, which automatically scales up and down, up and down based on um, based on need. <clears throat> so you don't have to you don't have to do anything other than really? just, yeah, you're paying for exactly what you need, which is pretty amazing uh, when you think about <laughs> what it was like in in 2008 and 2010 there. You know, there, it was all very manual when it came to your infrastructure and managing it. Uh, you know, like you said, security is a big is a big component of that. But you know, all of your resources are massive components to what ultimately results in a, a good user experience. Everybody's expecting a fast, responsive application where they're not sitting there watching a wheel of death. Spin, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it is fascinating that within a decade, you've gone from, in order to build an application, whether it be mobile or web, you have to hire a team of developers, all be under the same roof, all be under the same working structure on the same, you know, in the same room on the same server and everything had to be in one location. But now if I have a web app idea, I can call you up and say, hey, Randall, I, I got this idea for an app. I want to build it. Here's my budget. And you say, okay, great. Here's how long it's going to take us to build it. And this is what, you know, this is going to look like. We've got a team in place that it's changed the landscape for going from an idea to reality for a web application or even a mobile application. Yeah, I mean, learning, um, learning when I learned about outsourcing and working with teams that are not physically in my office, um, it's been invaluable for what we do today. Um, it makes it cost effective for, for people who come to us and they've, they've got an app idea or they want to, they want to, uh, build on top of something that they've already got. They want to automate some processes. We can, and we can put together a team in a short period of time and, and really start cranking away. And the technologies today, it, 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 like I said, it, it, we're in the golden age. It's, you've got 
great developer resources that are out there that are more efficient at building applications. What may have taken 12 months or, you know, even sometimes 24 months to build an application. <laughs> Very long you time can, to build an app, yeah. You can build apps in three, four, five months, you know, that, that are powerful applications. That are really that, incredible applications. They're not yeah. just, you know, slides or doing something simple. And in my opinion, that is the, today, that's a, a true competitive advantage for a business where everybody's competing for customers and trying to give them a great experience. Um, you know, customers want to be able to go in and still have their hands held in, in certain regards, but also have a self-service component or, or a, you know, a component where they can go and get instant information about whatever type of thing they're working on with, with the company. So, um, you know, having a good, um, a, a, a good application for your business that can automate a lot of your processes, not only internally, but externally with your with your customers is, is, is invaluable. Yeah. And, and it, it, it can it takes, really separate you from competition. Well, it, it'll, it gives that small business owner the opportunity to craft something special to their business, their brand, instead of having to use a solution that's out there in a bigger package. You know, cookie they, cutter. Yeah. A cookie cutter package. Okay, great. You got a company. We'll sign you up. Here's what we have to offer. But now they can come in and say, Hey, with the advancement of technology, I want my own thing. I want my own personalized software that is unique to my situation, unique to my business and unique to how I attract customers. And now that's, I'm not going to say inexpensive, but it's affordable. You know, you hit the nail on the head. It's this, it couldn't be more true. You know, before it was your, your bigger companies were the ones building these custom applications. And now small businesses can, can really weigh the cost benefits of it where you know, do I, am I forced to get something off the shelf that is cookie cutter, like you said, that doesn't, it may check off a few boxes for what I need, but does it really, does it check off every box? And, and oftentimes you're still the answer left is there. there. You're still left there as a business owner saying, I wish it could do this. I wish it had this one feature that's unique to my company. Why can't it have it? And then if you call their customer support service, their 1-800 number, they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, we don't have that yet. Or it's in our roadmap. It's, it's being developed. <laughs> it's on our roadmap. We'll get oh to it one day. Oh, my gosh. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with software companies where it's, oh, yeah, we're working on a solution to that. Another like, thing What good is, does that do me right now? Yeah. Another thing is uh, we often see businesses that, that I hate using the word hodgepodge, but they, they piece together applications, several oh, applications yeah. to, to, to fill all the gaps or as many as they can it's in the their workflow. Add-ins. The add-ins are huge, man. And if you've got multiple applications, you're already behind the eight ball when it comes to efficiency. Mm-hmm. Chances are good they don't communicate with each other. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, data mismatches from one system to the next. And there's also this manual component where you're trying to get information from one system to another, and you you know, oftentimes can can run up against data entry errors and you certainly don't have real time information from one system to the next. So that's another thing that we do a lot of is try to consolidate some of the core features from multiple solutions into one application where all of your users are now inside of a single application versus maybe accounting is in one application like mm-hmm. Sage or whatever. And then right. your salespeople are in some other application, some CRM solution with a, with a, 
several other applications filling gaps that that are maybe not available in either one of those softwares. So, and we've worked with customers that have eight different software applications. Eight, eight <laughs> in the auto space. It's crazy. So, that it is, is absolutely crazy. too many. It's that's, too many. Like it's, how can it's you, way too many applications for one business to have. Yeah, and how can you expect? You think about a user, one of your employees that has to log into several different software applications, remembering their login credentials and, and trying to remember exactly what to do in this software versus uh, some other software. Well, and, so. then, and then the time to train an employee, a new hire, to train them on, okay, we use this software for this, 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 as opposed to having, okay, everything's integrated. When you work here in this project, it's going to speak to the time capture software, which is going to speak to the invoicing software, which is going to speak to the billing software, which then speaks to our accounting department and everything comes back to ground one. Yep. You have that uniform approach. It's so much easier to operate efficiently and effectively as a business and not spend time training staff on how to use eight different softwares. Yeah. And you, you hit the nail on the head, even if you don't, you're not going to go reinvent the wheel on, no. on a, on a Sage or a QuickBooks or something like that, but you can certainly create integrations where you've got your core features in your, in your custom application that are specific to your business. And then you're, you're pushing information uh, out of that system into these other subsystems or even core systems that you're using to, to manage other aspects of your business. So hundred percent. And I, I love the fact that it's happening all right here locally in the Baton Rouge area, you know, we're, we're starting to build a name for tech in this space. I mean, you're at the Louisiana technology park operating your business out of there. I mean, what has that experience been like and what have you seen in the Baton Rouge ecosystem around tech? It's my, my second <laughs> stint. That ought to tell you something. I've had a, um, a great experience at the tech park. Uh, it, the first time I was in there was as, as a SaaS application, as a SaaS business. Now I'm in there as a service provider. And I actually have a, a, a SaaS application that I'm in the process of launching. But um, you know, Novatus is the, the tenant at the tech park. And it's great. They, uh, they've come a long way. And, and they were already, I thought, a, a great solution in 2008, but I think it's more service oriented versus, uh, you know, at the time it was, you know, low cost rental. Some, you know, they had, they had good support, but now it's, uh, they've got a, a great ecosystem in there. They've got not only the people that reside in offices there, but they've got great partners that can, can help you along the way, depending on what you need. Not every, you, you, you said, you said it earlier, not every company is is the same everybody's got some unique yeah. aspects they, and they've so got different needs they've got different desires for the business one person can need to make you know make an actual tangible product while someone else strictly needs a computer space with internet yeah so th they they find out what you need and they try to they try to help you find the the right fits the right solutions so it's good steven oh, you've met steven i'm yeah, sure yeah. he's he's been at the tech park for a long time. He was there in 2008. And mm -hmm. I want to say he was probably there several years before, before I got there. So. Yeah. And, and Gen Genevieve Silverman's watching on the Facebook live. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no pressure on what Jen, you're saying. Jen was there in 2008 too. And they do a great job. They have, um, they've brought in some great companies too. I know they, um, it's a big focus is to try to attract companies, not only in Louisiana, but outside of Louisiana, show them 
uh, we've got a lot to offer here. So, hundred uh, percent, they've got great infrastructure. They've partnered up with uh, Venue, or now it's uh, Etel, <laughs> where they've got. You, I'm sure you've seen the the hosting facility. Yep, it's uh, the data center is extremely impressive. So, uh, they've got solutions just like AWS, where you can, if you need space, uh, bandwidth. That's uh, you know all things pretty important if you're a, a, a tech startup. And then they've got they've got mentors, people that can can guide you along the way. Yeah, they've, they've got partners, and- accounting, legal, uh, and it's a, it, again you're surrounded by companies that are going through a lot of the same things that you're going through. So uh, it's 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 good. You're not alone <laughs> as an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. You you feel like you're you're alone and by yourself, and you're carrying the weight of the world, and you 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 go into the tech park and you see other people that are going through the same thing and you, you realize it's, you know, it's a, it's a challenge. Other people are, are doing the same things you are. And then you get to see people that are having success and you makes you feel like you can get there too. So hundred percent. It's that, that collaboration effect and there's start occur in the tech park. And, and another thing that it's been a big focus, even from the, 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 the first time I was there was funding and they have, uh, they've come a long way with that. They've partnered up with, I think, Red Stick Angels and they've got Innovation Catalyst, which is a, a funding arm of the tech park. And they're, they, they understand that that's a big part of the journey is, uh, is, is, is funding. How are you going to pay yeah. for, uh, running the business and bringing on talent? It, it, it costs money to do those it's, things. That, that so, access to capital to get your idea off the ground is huge. Yeah. I mean, you, you as a CPA, I'm sure you work with, with startups, with entrepreneurs, and you see it all the time where it's you, you're not sure how you're going to get to that next stage of your business. Mm-hmm. But um, it's always been challenging access to capital, especially uh, in Louisiana, where you've got you've got invest you've got you've got people who invest in businesses in Louisiana but I think you're seeing more and more people invest in in technology that that's where people want to go they don't they don't want to invest in something that's not looking towards the future right they don't want to invest in somebody who's reinvented you know an ancient task that's already been done better by someone else and they're not meeting that mark and so when you look at technology companies and you say, okay, how are they being innovative? How are they creating a new software, a new application, a new development that's going to better whatever the situation is? That's who they want to invest in. Yeah. And they're bringing, they're bringing more of those types of people, more sophisticated investors to, to, to the table. It's, it's happening every, I don't know about every day, but they're, they're bringing they're more. They're getting there. Yeah. You know, you, instead of, Instead of these investors looking to startups in Austin and uh, Nashville, Atlanta, they're they're starting to look here. So, which, which I think is huge. It's got to happen. That you got to get. We've got to get Baton Rouge on that map yeah. of we're a tech. We're not. I'm, I don't want to say we're a tech hub per se, but you can have a technology business here. You can be successful outside of oil and gas and outside of food. Yeah. You know, once you get the you get the you get the businesses coming here and you get, you get them funded, well capitalized and they can start to attract the talent, the jobs, the hundred percent. It's, it's not, 
it's not easy to find all the resources that you need as a startup right now, but it's getting better. I've seen it. I, you know, I've seen. Yeah. What, what, what has your experience been like? I mean, you've been in the startup in the entrepreneurial scene since what pre-Katrina with your mortgage company. It was hard. What, what is the tech scene? How has it evolved over the last 16 years? It's gotten, it's gotten so much better. I mean, you see it just with, uh, with some of the organizations that you're involved in. There's so much more excitement today than there ever has been. It was, and in 2008, there was not a, a large pool of resources to go and uh, try to go recruit for your for your tech startup. It was it was tough. You know, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, it was not an easy thing. Um, most of the people that had computer science backgrounds, even LSU grads, they were moving to other cities. I think now you're starting to see more of those. Uh, graduates stick around. They're finding, they're finding a home. Companies here in in Baton Rouge and New Orleans, other surrounding areas. There's software companies I didn't even know existed here in Baton Rouge that are having great success. So it's it's impressive. It it wasn't like that. Yeah. Ten years ago. How how can we keep pushing that envelope of getting the names out there, getting the idea of how great Baton Rouge is out there? You keep doing what you're doing. I mean, it's <laughs> seriously, it yeah. makes a difference. It's it, it, that's the main reason I started the show. You know, it was, starts to, was the, to put people on the map in a way that they may not have thought of before because they're too busy focusing on their craft. What you're doing, you're 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 talking with people like me, or maybe even better people like you. Better no, people better. like put yourself up there. People <laughs> like you. People who entrepreneurs, who, successful entrepreneurs. But you're 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 putting them on a platform and you're also attracting, uh, you're attracting younger generation, which are, I mean, that's the future for our community when it comes to, you know, tech startups. We've got to get people to stay here. Have to. And we have to attract people to come in. And that starts with, you've, you've got to nurture the people that are here, the people that you, you want to bring here. You've got to get them here and you got to find ways to help them, be successful. You need to connect them with with funding, with capital. You've got to create this ecosystem where you can you can find the right fits, the things that because when you start a business, there's you're trying to you wear you know you wear you wear every hat, wear every every hat, hat from janitor to CEO. The only way to grow your business to scale it is to is to start finding the talent that that can do things that you you would do as a as a as a founder yeah. you've got to find people that can come in and help you with marketing and sales um you know software development devops all that um you know, you, when you start a business you it's it could be just you and a, and one or two other people and you know, as you start to grow you you can't do it all it's impossible so yeah you've got to find those people that have an entrepreneurial mindset you know those that want to come in solve problems that they see and recognize with an entrepreneur's perspective and they don't just want to come there and be an employee and work from nine to five clock in clock out and be gone mm -hmm. to grow a business as a startup you've got to have people that are going to say hey look we want to see this thing through we want to see this thing go from an idea to a conceptualized visual production 
to then actually becoming a reality and being a tangible product. Yeah, like me, I, um, <laughs> I've got my software development company and we're, we're strong in DevOps, but I'm doing all of the sales and a lot, even a lot of the marketing. I need help. Uh, I need help on sales and marketing with the, with the service company. And then on my, my software application, again, we've got the development side well covered for where we are right now, but I'm trying to find people that can come in and help me. And it's, yeah, it's not easy. And I, I hope that gets easier and easier. I think it is, you know, there's organizations like startup grind, you're involved with them and they try, that's one of the things that it seems like they try to do is make those connections, bring people together. Tech Park, they've got, uh, you know, lots of different events where they try to bring not only the founders together, but, uh, you know, they try to bring lots of different people together that it could be somebody who's just interested in, in, in uh, getting involved with a startup. You know, they have people that inquire about jobs directly and they try to find the right place. I'm, when I say them, I'm talking about the tech park. Right. You know, they try to capture, they try to capture uh, you know, people that may be interested in coming work for one of their tenant companies that are there. So that's, you know, that's a big thing. I think they'll continue to expand on that and you know, hopefully it'll, it'll be all about the networks and, and making these connections. I think that's something that there's room for a lot of room for improvement there. Oh yeah. The, the networking is so huge when it comes to startups, when it comes to expanding your existing business, talking to different people, getting in front of different faces and realizing that there's a community out there that wants to help in a way that they just don't know how to help yet. Exactly. You know, how they, can they get involved? How can they get involved? I, I talk to so many people and they're like, Oh, I love what you're doing. You know, keep it up, keep it up. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But what else can be done? You know, there's only so much that can be done by one person. Do we need to get a more communal approach? Do we need to get more community people out in front of these businesses to talk to them to say, hey, I know a great person who's in who's development. I know a great person who's in sales. You should, should connect. You know, is it a matter of, hey, why don't you go talk to this sales and marketing division of LSU within that department and get some interns to come in there and start actually practicing their sales skills and seeing if they're going to make a good fit for the company upon graduation or even while they're still in school. And I hope that's something that, you know, the tech park, they've got their, they've got a website and you can go learn information about how to become a tenant. But I think there's a, an opportunity for them to, uh, to, to put their, put their tenant companies uh, on a, platform where you can, you know, investors could come and see yeah, th what these, companies are in the tech park. This is an update from, you know, Novatus. This is what they've got going on. These are some of the products they're developing. These are some of their past successes. Just a way to put them up within their own network. Matchmaking. Yeah. Whether it's somebody who's interested in uh, investing or somebody who's interested in, in potentially going work for a specific startup, there's a lot of opportunity there to to, to build that online presence. And I think we'll see that. You'll see that that'll be some of the stuff you see from the tech park in the, in the very near future. You, you're, you're seeing it now. You've got right. these crowdfunding platforms that connect investors with startups and you've got other platforms that, co that connect uh, you know, talent with, with startups. You'll, you'll see it, I think, come together. Uh, and you'll see something in Louisiana. I, th I think we're getting there day after day one step at a time, we're starting to slowly grow towards that direction. But in the spirit of all of that, 
what projects do y'all have in the pipeline right now at Novatus or some other spinoff company that you've created? <laughs> <laughs> what do you have in the pipeline right now? Well, one of your uh, one of your favorite interviews, Falaya. Absolutely, we love Falaya Real we Estate. We love Falaya. Proud sponsor of the Patty G Show here. Uh, Barrett is uh, is a super entrepreneur. He's somebody I've learned a lot from. He's a, he, his he loves his enthusiasm is in is it's infectious and he he helps me uh, when I'm when I'm you know, not feeling up. I'm you know, when I've talked to Barrett, it helps a lot. So. Uh, you know, Barrett is, uh, he's a he, real estate broker, but he's now building a, a real estate platform to connect sellers and buyers together and walk them through the, the real estate transaction. And a lot of what I learned building document automation for, for, uh, mortgage lending applies to real estate. So it was mm-hmm. a, it was a good fit. Uh, you know, I couldn't be it's great working with Barrett. We're working with, uh, a company called PPMG. They do construction management. Uh, working with Bayou Automotive, we're doing some stuff on the on the uh, automobile sales side, uh, managing a- appointments and and uh, some of the quotes and invoicing that happen within a dealership. A few other projects. One uh, uh, really interesting. It's a it's a young entrepreneur. Okay, <laughs> really young, <coughs> and he had an idea. Okay. He's, he's he's in school, and he had an idea. Uh, had an idea to connect. Uh, it's a marketplace for tutors and students all right. where you um, where you where you schedule a session with a tutor and it's all online uh, via web conference, audio, video, chat. And you can upload your coursework and collaborate. It's a it's a it's a collaboration platform. That's a, a really interesting one. A few other ones that we just started we started working on in the last few months and um as they get further along, I'll have to give you some updates on them. <laughs> and then our original project that we started uh, for transportation management, mm-hmm. uh, a guy named Dom Perret. You need to get him on the show. Dom Perret. Oh, my goodness. He's he's a super entrepreneur. And the guy just, I don't know, he's got a knack for it. I, he's, I look at him and <laughs> I just sometimes you, you don't understand how somebody can be as good as they are at, at building a business. Yeah, what what I'm what I'd say I'm weak at when it comes to to uh, to sales and networking. I shouldn't say weak. I'm you, to a certain degree as an entrepreneur, you have to be able to sell. Yeah, uh, you've got to be able a, to sell in one way. You got to be able to talk about yourself. You've got to be able to sell your ideas, and it has to be um, it has to be a, you know, something that people can digest relatively easy. Um, but he's great at it. He's so good at storytelling and and connecting with people, just a level that I've never seen before. So he had a trucking company and then he had a, a software company. He built the software for the trucking company. And then he had all these companies that wanted to use the software and wow. did the same thing. Just said, I'm going to start to license the software. And he had the same, he had a single tenant applications. That was the first thing we did is, make it multi-tenant where he could easily create a, a new account for a new uh, trucking company. And uh, he exited from that company and, and also exited from his, uh, his trucking company. And he's moving on to his next deal. The next so, best thing. Oh man. He's, he's done several successful businesses. So he's uh he was a, a, a fun entrepreneur to watch. You know, just, yeah. I, I think entrepreneurs that solve a problem, 
created by their own need have a better appreciation for the process of doing that, right? They say, okay, I've got this problem, like you with your mortgage company. I want a more efficient process. What does that look like? I don't like any cookie cutters. I want to design my own. Okay. I don't really know where to go. Maybe I'll just do it myself, you know, hire out my own team and build it and so forth. And then you're able to realize, okay, this is great. And then when people see that, they go, well, this guy stopped what he was doing and took time to build something to exactly what he needs. We're similar. He's got to build it right. And we know he's going to do what he can and make it right. And so then it's those entrepreneurs that say, yeah, we found a problem. We solved it ourselves. And now we know that this can solve the same problem for other people. Let's put that out to market. You hit, you hit the nail on the head. That is you, you, the, the, the most successful businesses, especially in, in tech, they're somebody with domain expertise, somebody that mm-hmm. really intimately understands an industry and they see the gaps, they see the pain points. Uh, it's so obvious to them and, and missed by people outside of that, that space, that industry. You know, I could never go in and build something of much value to an industry like, like medical or legal, right. even though I'm, I'm familiar with, with uh, document automation, which is a part of both. You know, I just, I don't see the process. I don't see yeah. the workflows. You're not in it every day. And, you don't know the weak And points. you can't see the pain points. And yeah. that's what you know, good entrepreneurs, they, they see it. They see the pain points and they see how to solve those problems. And then it's about execution 100%. at that point in time. You can have great ideas. Uh, you, you can, you can uh, verify there's a market for it. Market willing to pay for the solutions that, that you're coming up with. But you know, it, it at the end of the day, it boils down to execution, how well you can execute on your ideas. And a lot of that, when it comes to softwares, is UI, UX, and uh, all the processes and flows you put into the software. Those are really important things. So, And that's one of the reasons why I've put so much emphasis on it is because it really can uh, make or break you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen, you'll see it. You'll see softwares that have the same feature sets. And a similar marketing strategy, go to go to market strategy, and one is wildly successful, and one is a flop. And you have to look at at, at those kinds of details and try to figure out, you know, why did this software, which has the same type of functionalities, why did it not succeed? It's you know, execution again. It's not just about the user interface and user yeah. experience, but uh, it, it definitely plays into it. So. Yeah, getting be, being able to have the idea, build it out to what people need, and then executing on the idea is all critical features that make an entrepreneur successful. And so as we kind of start to come to the end of the show, we start winding down. We have four typical questions we like to ask every guest. Uh-oh. Very hard-hitting, you know, edge-of-your-seat style questions. Okay. And the first one is, what did you? what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? Oh, God. Did as a kid. I used to, uh, this is probably eight years old. I, I could do a, a flip. Okay. A, a, like front a front flip. flip or a back flip? I would love, no, a front flip. Okay. I would love to be able to do a front flip. I can't even do a cartwheel anymore. <laughs> I took karate. Okay. And and that was part of it is they made you learn how to tumble, I guess. <laughs> I right. could do a split. It was, uh, now I, I can, can't even touch my toes. I wish I had more flexibility and I wish I could do a flip. I love that. From, uh, That's a very, very active 
childhood memory. So what are, what are three lessons you've learned along the way? Along the way, as it relates to entrepreneurship? Whatever your life, what are three lessons in your life that have stuck with you, whether it be through entrepreneurship, being a parent, whatever? Well, let's see. Uh, I tell my, my 12 year old daughter this all the time. You can, you can always improve upon your, your skills that, that your soft skills that you, that you have learned. She, she was getting down on herself that she wanted to be better at making new friends and, and I should take my own advice cause I'm not great at it either, but you can always improve upon that. And she has, it's, um, she started to think about it and she started to put herself out there a little bit more. And she, uh, she's learning how to engage with people and start conversations and it's becoming easier for, her. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I think a pretty valuable lesson. Uh, another thing is, uh, is, is life is short. And yeah, I know that's, that's cliche. Cliche. All, but it's but, true. Yeah, I had a uh, I had a, a a major health scare when I was thirty seven years old, uh, and it it was a swift kick in the butt that I always thought just grind tunnel vision. Um, you know, I'm still there and engaged with with my kids, but you know, I felt like I had blinders on to some things. I was present, but not fully there, and. And that was a, a a a real turning point for me is that there has to be some balance. I still I still lose myself in, in work to a certain degree, but you know it's important to 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 be present because you never know. I mean, you never know. You never know. The next day is not guaranteed. That's exactly right. So what do we got? We've got two. We got one more. What you got? Let's see. So life lesson is when it comes to entrepreneurship, don't underestimate how long it takes to build a business. I feel like, and and I'm, and I'm absolutely guilty of it, especially with software. I'll build it when I'm done building it. They'll, people will flock to the software. It'll be an absolute incredible. Yeah. I'll go live on a a beach somewhere. (laughs) That's right. And, uh, it couldn't be farther from the truth. I feel like entrepreneurs underestimate even the the development of whatever their product or service is, how long that's going to take, but their ability to get traction. That yeah. is it takes time. Massively difficult to even get your first customer. And then to get your first 10 customers is like a next huge milestone. And it'll continue to get easier and easier, but it is it is hard. It is work. And if you think you're going to get in, you're going to start a business and you're going to have some successful business in, in months or even a year, it is, uh, it's probably best that you don't journey down that path because right. it is a lot of work. And that's part of the problem is that you, you see all these glorious success stories like Facebook and, and, and it, and it gives you the wrong perspective. Yeah, it you gives feel you like- the persona that it happens overnight when in reality it takes years and years to build something to make it truly incredible. What's your, what episode are you on? 93. And has it, it's gotten easier, but was it hard? Oh my gosh, it's still hard. We're still growing. We're still pushing past pain points and weaknesses within the show, both externally and internally. And it's just part of the process. You see where you want to be in five years. You plan it out, but you, you have to be flexible along the way, but you, you, you have to, you have to have goals in between that 
along that timeline mm-hmm. that you shoot for and, and you, you celebrate them. hundred percent. You, you celebrate those You celebrate victories. them when you, when you hit them. So what is something you love about Baton Rouge? I love the, the people here. You know, to me, the, there's grit. I think you and I've had this conversation. Oh yeah, before. we have. There's the people here are, are tough, man. They, they want to do something good. I think so. And they're, they're, most of the people that you run across are, they're genuinely good people. They're, they're nice. And they're, it's, life is much easier and bad. It's simpler. Mm-hmm. And you don't have the, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing when you go to some of these big cities and, um, you feel like you're social climbing and it's just, I think the people here are, are special in Baton yeah, Rouge. They, ha- they have a way to connect to your heart. They have a way to make things a little bit more tolerable, even the heat. And if you get some of those guys on your team, it's they'll all- go to battle with you and, and they're usually there at the end when hopefully you, <laughs> when, when you've made it, you've made you made that you're glorious, the big time. Yeah. You're, 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 you're staring down the, the, the barrel of a, of some glorious exit or mm-hmm. some, some other great milestone you've got, you, the, the you team that team you start with, you. you hope. And they oftentimes are still there with you at the end. And that, I think that's because of just the, the mindset of the people in Baton Rouge. So yeah, there's no place I'd rather try to build a business. Oh, it's harder. It's, it's much harder. There's much, there's many more roadblocks, but I want to, you and I, your goal is to make it easier. Yeah. Yeah. Get people out there, get them known about us. And so along those lines is what can I do to help you? Yeah. I'm with you. What can I do to help you? <laughs> no, no, you can't take my question. My question, what can I do to help you? You know, what you're doing for me today has you've already you've already helped me. You know, this Outside show this show and what you're doing, not only for me, but for everyone who comes on here, that you I know you know that, but <laughs> it's a it's a a, a great sounding board. You um, think you have a good audience that follows you, and and um, I mean, you're you're helping me by exposing me to your audience, and and also doing what you're doing, uh, just in general with with everyone who comes on this show. So, well, I'll I'll, I'll keep thank it going, man. That. Thank you, thank you so much for coming on the show, and I feel like we got we got, we got into a lot of different conversations and topics, and I loved it. I hope it. I hope it. I hope it didn't ramble too much. Oh, of course not. No, that's. I, I tell everybody that. Look, you're coming on the show to talk. You're not coming on to give me one one word question, one word answers. You know, we're having a conversation, a dialogue, and you you fit right in that bill. And so, thank you for that. Perfect. I appreciate your time, and I appreciate everybody else's time. Whether you are watching the show via YouTube, via Facebook, whatever platform you're consuming this content on. I'm very thankful of your time and your continued support of the show. I know the guests are as well. And also, we want to give a big thanks to our lovely sponsors, Falaya Real Estate. We talked about them throughout the show. Y'all, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, go see Barrett. Tell him you heard about him on the Patty G Show. He will take care of you every step of the way. You know he's got good back in. We just heard Randall, all of his knowledge and expertise going into developing that app. They're doing incredible things in the community right here in Baton Rouge and also for Government Taco. They're a local restaurant here in Baton Rouge on the corner of Jefferson and Government. They've got specials coming out like crazy. They've got tacos of the month. Every Thursday is happy hour all day. Go in there, give Jay a hug, tell him you heard about him on the Patty G Show, and he'll be sure to take good care of you. Well, everybody, this is episode 93 of the Patty G Show. We're quickly approaching 100. I thank you so very much for your continued support. I know the guests do, and we'll see y'all on the next one. Y'all have a good night. Good night.